Have you ever wondered how you can start to move like a kid again and how you can start to increase your mobility? Well, in today's episode, we go into just that. I got to interview Greg Stern. Greg is the owner of From the Ground Up Physiotherapy. He helps people get to the root cause of their pain by teaching people to move their entire body in new ways to wake up dormant muscles and movement patterns. Rather than focusing solely on the site of the pain, he teaches people how to work the body as a whole to finally give the site of pain a chance to recover, as it can now work together with the body rather than against it. With From the Ground Up, his mission is to help people through their own path of self-discovery on their health journeys and guide people to not only be pain-free, but to thrive in their everyday lives. He helps people see that injuries are not only a process of recovery, but discovery, an opportunity to learn, be curious, to be better, and understand your body, to correct issues, improve efficiency and performance, and tap into potential you never knew you had. In today's episode, we go into similarly different topics from like footwear and how our footwear is affecting us to physical therapy, to how we can increase our mobility and into walking barefoot and so much more. So, so excited for you guys to hear this episode. Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My name's Sophia. So glad you're here. My goal is to make your 20s a little less of a shit show. So without any further ado, let's get started. So thank you so much, Greg, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. I'd love to start. Tell me about your 20s. And then I want to hear one defining shit show moment that was pretty big for you. Where should I begin? I go into the 20s or? Yeah. I actually officially left my 20s on the weekend last that just passed. So I just turned 30. So the shit show 20s are behind me as uh, the name of your show implies. I guess a low point, if I'm going to go right away to that, what pops into my head is being on a family cruise and just having received surgery on my foot a couple months prior and still being very tentative with crutches and getting blackout wasted just to numb my pain and like running away from my family. And they're like trying to chase me around the boat. And uh, that was the real low point of my chronic pain journey. And uh, after that point, like a week after, I ended up meeting my girlfriend who turned to be, out to be my wife eight years later. So uh, from very low to very, you know, that was the start of me coming out of a, a very bad spot. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, to kind of tap into that, I had hurt my ankle two and a half years prior to that very dark moment. Uh, just an innocent ankle sprain playing flag football. And up to that point, I had broken every bone in my body. I was always getting injured. I was super wild as a child. But this was just a innocent sprain that just never healed properly. It wasn't 10 out of 10 pain, but having four or five constantly every moment of the day, the moment you stand up, just buzzing, constant discomfort really gets to you psychologically. And I was trying everything under the sun. I was going to physio, osteo, Cairo. I was trying the shoes they recommended and kept seeking out different, you know, professional advice. And, you know, my dad's actually an emergency physician. My mom's a physio. So I'm like just surrounded by healthcare professionals and the pain wasn't going away. And for two and a half years, I was suffering and it just like kept getting worse and just no real relief. You know, everything we were trying was the classic like site of pain equals site of problem. So 
typically when you go to a physio or a chiro or whatever, it's like the onus of responsibility is on the therapist to fix you. You know, you go like, what, what do you want? Fix me. And it's like, all right, I'm going to lie on a table and they're there to work on you. Almost like you're like, like a, like a car parts, you know, like this tapping with a hammer and it's like, all right, massage, massage, or very isolated exercises. And that wasn't working for me. And it honestly doesn't work for most people. You know, now I'm a physio and we could talk about my journey there, but I got my surgery two and a half years after the initial injury. And from there, I thought it would be this moment that I wake up and everything would be better. Like it was very naive because I just had been suffering for so long. And like really the journey just started there. They repaired what was wrong in my ankle. But after the surgery, I ended up getting hip pain and back pain for another two years after. Like they weren't there before and not all of a sudden, but slowly but surely, you know, your body finds new strategies of getting on with life. And so my, my hip felt all jacked up, my low back on my left, everything was on my left side. And it was only really till I started to take a real deep dive to understand what was going on in my body and like, who can I learn from that really does things differently? Because what I was being taught from my physios and then eventually what I ended up starting to learn in school was very isolated and, and very non-holistic. And I started to find mentors in the field, people that were thinking about footwear differently, people who would understand that like, you know, the foot is connected to the knee and the knee is connected to the hip, very basic things. But in practice, most people just like lie in a table, even when they're doing exercises, but that doesn't mimic the demands of our real life, which is upright against gravity. And, you know, now fast forward, you know, we're 10 years past the injury, like probably in the last four years, I've four or five years is zero pain. I can now go hiking barefoot after not being able to stand for, you know, 10 seconds without pain. I do slack lining. So I'm like, you know, the, where people like put a line up between two trees and they walk between them. So I'm doing all sorts of really fun things to my body that I couldn't even do before the injury. And that just came from like just a, a very slow, diligent process of like, all right, let's continue going down rabbit hole after rabbit hole, learning from different people along the way. You have such an interesting story. And I'm curious from there, were you in different careers before you decided to go into this work? I'm curious how that journey evolved. Uh, yeah. So I thought I was going to go into medicine. Um, I did health science in so I'm in Montreal and we have some weird system called CGEP. So we do grade 11, two years of CGEP and then three years of university. So it all equals out to the same. But I was always down at the track of thinking I wanted to be in medicine. And I had done all sorts of cool volunteering opportunities. I was a paramedic one year, like a volunteer paramedic. I, I went to India and did some like really thinking. But to be honest, there was a lot of push to with my parents like, all right, like this is where I think you should go. But I, I definitely displayed interest in that. But the moment I hurt myself and it started becoming chronic, I'm like, I can't focus on anything else but getting out of pain. So after, um, you know, I did undergrad in physiology, which is a study of the human system. So learning about the lungs and the heart and your kidneys and all that. Like that's usually people do physiology, then medicine. And then I did, so I did physiology and I applied to medicine actually twice and gratefully didn't get in and then ended up applying to physical therapy and uh, did that and graduated in 2019. And right away when I graduated, I knew like I couldn't work under the confines of traditional physiotherapy clinics because when you go in there, it's kind of exactly how I described. You get there, you get a heating pad thrown on you. They'll do a bit of massage on you. They'll put these like funny electrodes that buzz your muscles. And then maybe at the very end, they'll give you like one exercise. And I knew that like one, that doesn't work. 
It just doesn't work because, and when people say claim to have tried everything, most of the time, that's what they've tried. They've gone from one person to the next who uses the next fancy hands-on technology or shockwave therapy, but doesn't actually teach you how to move. And that is the number one thing that we need to learn how to load our muscles in sync so that everything works together. So I ended up starting my own physiotherapy clinic called From the Ground Up. We've got a little foot logo over here. But the whole idea being, you know, the base of our body is our feet. And they obviously determine how the rest of our body is loaded. And my journey was all about like understanding foot health. And, you know, I don't only treat feet. I treat necks and backs. But every, most of the time, things relate back to the way that we are loading our body on top of our two flippers, you know, so. I love that from the ground up. Because we usually think of going to whatever spot versus going to the root. Yes. And I'm curious for you, why do you think so many people focus on that if it doesn't work? It's what we learn in school. Part of it is like, I think if you train a lot of smart people in a system that hyper focuses on being like intelligent of anatomy. All right. Like what am I touching here when I'm focusing on giving the hands on? And it's just like, it's old school. It's just what has been going on. And it's like, we, we kind of separate like, all right, like I'm going to work on the hands-on and then I'm going to send it off to like a trainer. It's like, we need to be the trainers who understand specifics of biomechanics, how things should like load together and what's happening, how to teach people how to bend at the hips, how to bend at the knees. Like these are very basic, how to get people to move in three dimensions. And I guess it's a society that really focuses on symptoms, right? Like it's the same thing in medicine. Most of medicine, I'm going to say, well, there's a lot of beautiful things about medicine. But when it comes down to the way that we're dealing with chronic illnesses that are related to lifestyle, it's like, all right, take this pill for a lifestyle issue that is related to your nutrition, your sleep, your stress management, and this is going to fix everything. It's like, well, obviously not. And it's the same thing with the way that we need to understand the body. It's like crack, 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 go to Cairo, get, you know, like all adjusted and back into perfect posture, so to say. And that perfect doesn't exist. You know, the problem is the moment you stand up from the table, you go back to the exact same movement patterns that got you into trouble in the first place. And then the problem comes back. So maybe you feel good for a couple of days because your body's like settles in, but then, you know, like the body finds its way back to the way it was because you haven't really taught it how, how to move in a new way. Hmm. And can you go deeper into how to move in a new way? Like, what does that look yeah. like? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, obviously feeling is, uh, moving is feeling. So I, I can describe um, some different things, but one of the most important things I want people to understand is that idea of a stacked body. So imagine I was a runner about to start a race, okay? And I have like, let's say my, my left leg forward, okay? So I'm like about to start a race. Would my body be leaning forward or it would be leaning backwards to start the race? I guess it's leaning forward. Yeah. So the thing is, if I get someone to get into that stance with one leg forward and I ask them to make their back leg very light, and I ask them to bend their front knee. Most of the time, what's going to happen is they bend their knee, but their ribs go back. So we're already, see, so what happens is if I'm like here and I basically I'm leaning back, well, now I'm hanging on my lower back and I'm not loading the middle of my foot. I'm actually more on my heel or I'm on my toe. And then when I ask someone to bring themselves forward, what happens is their knee snaps back. So basically people don't know how to be on a bent knee with their head, heart, and hips all over their leg. And the moment I teach people to do that, their legs start shaking a little bit. And they're like, this is a new space for their body. 
So the idea is that if I could stack their body, get their foot to kick on, and all of a sudden their calf muscles can engage, their quads, their butt, everything is going to be in the right alignment. And it's like the, the muscles engage not because you're squeezing them consciously, but as a reaction to the position that the bones are in. I know that sounds a little funny, but instead of people hyper-focusing on sh what muscles to blame, it's like, can we put your body in new shapes and the muscles will respond to those shapes? So for example, like a lot of people are told we need to sit up straight to stand up straight and good posture means chest up. Now the posture I'm in when I'm in a very good manner and I'm putting down quotation marks is very extended at the lower back. But hold on, I've been told I need to be in good posture my whole life, right? So that's what we've been told. But if you take your hands and you squeeze them together very, very hard for me, okay, try this out. So you squeeze your hands. What you're going to notice is that after a few seconds, your hands are going to get tense, obviously. Now I'm going to ask you to do this for 12 hours and you're going to be like, screw off, right? But when we go into good posture, so to say, what we're doing to our lower back muscles when we're popping our chest and really upright like mom and dad told us, where our low back muscles end up going very squeezed and they're constantly engaged 24-7. Well, if your hands don't like that very much, neither does your lower back. And, you know, I mentioned I was in India. When I was in India, I saw 80-year-olds that were able to exhibit a deep squat, like an ass-to-grass squat where they're fully, you know, down with their heels flat on the floor because they go to the washroom that way. People chill that way. They do work that way. Now, that's a different shape of the body, and we see that very much in children who are able to squat while they're playing down. But we lose that ability because we sit in chairs all day, and we're also told that we can't round our backs. That's bad for us. But actually, it's fucking good for us to lower and relax our backs and let give ourselves permission to be comfortable. Like we, we assume that sitting needs to be this engaged posture, but it should be fully letting the ribs relax. So when I talk about new, new ways of movement, we talk about can someone be able to squat down on the floor? fully able to have their heels flat. If not, I like to elevate people's heels. Then I talk about teaching people how to stack and then teaching people how to bend down and use their legs, not their back, to move in three dimensions, to get people jumping, leaping, doing pogo jumps. Like really physical therapy should be physical, not passive therapy. But when you go to most clinics, it's like the gym is in the back and it's empty and it's this like polished, nice looking place where no one's actually moving and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Hmm. And what's something else that we think we're supposed to do, like the posture that's actually bad for us? Um, yeah, well, definitely along the lines of that posture is just squeezing the shoulder blades back, especially during exercise or even like imagine I'm going to say nice to meet you, but I keep my shoulder blades back. Now I have like T-Rex arms. I can't really. But in fact, what we need to learn how to do with any people that are dealing with shoulder problems is let the shoulder blades come around the rib cage. So many times when people have shoulder problems, it's like their arm bone moves, but the scapula of the shoulder blade doesn't come along for the ride. And it should be that coupled relationship of the shoulder blade moving and gliding around the rib cage that facilitates healthy arm movements. So that let's say I'm swinging tennis or throwing a ball. It's not just the arm bone, but including that shoulder blade. So that's definitely uh, something from the upper body standpoint. Hmm. This is so interesting. <laughs> this is so many things you don't think about, but like for someone who maybe has like neck problems or maybe like shoulder problems, like where is a good place for them to start? 
Yeah, I mean, like something along the lines of doing like a very simple door frame latch stretch. So like imagine I'm just going to put my thumb down and grab the inside of a door frame. Then I'm going to really lean back and imagine that my arm is almost getting tractioned off my body and then really facilitating like a big stretch of the sides of our, you know, the side over here. Because if our arms are always by our side typing and texting and like we never just explore our hands over our head. Like hanging is a very good thing for a lot of people. It's become very popular over time. Like, oh, hanging is great because it actually remodels the shoulder and really stretches things out. I like this door frame stretch almost as a, a uh, an entryway into hanging for someone that, again, is experiencing. Everything should be guided by pain. So if, if you are having like stretching sensations, that's fine. But obviously, you know, you want to be guided by someone or, you know, like follow along a video so that you're not like hurting yourself because pain is something that we should listen to and not ignore. Um, so yeah, those would be a couple of things from a standpoint, but also just exploring like arm spirals. Again, everything is about really promoting this idea of rotational movement in our body rather than here's another like movement myth is like keeping your core squeezed, your glutes squeezed, go to the gym and just squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. Instead of actually let the body be fluid, allow your spine to, to explore the corners, to side bend and rotate in this like spinal engine manner um, rather than always staying braced. And that's like something you hear so often in the gym is just like, you know, there's these very generic like uh, cues that are given out to people to just like, I guess, say, say the things that have always been said out loud. Like don't let your knee past your toes, another example. Like none of these things help the body. They just actually create fear in us. And then we start to like limit our potential. So yeah. And I'm curious what your routine looks like. Like how often do you do this work? How often do you recommend your clients to get into this work? Yeah. So when, when someone comes to see me, I essentially leave them with a debrief with a couple of YouTube videos. So I, you know, oftentimes you'll go to physio and it's like a little sheet and you're like, these stick men don't look like me. I, I need to see someone. So like I, I send people home with, you know, I, I have like a whole repertoire of, of movements that I'll send out to people and also film people so they can see themselves. But I'm just recommending them doing like three, four movements. And I, I talk about this idea of like movement snacks. It's like you're hungry you go for a snack while well, your body is hungry for movement. If you're, especially when you're in static postures the entire day, to so like, you know, just feed it in here and there throughout the day, like two, three reps here, two, three reps there. Um, so that's kind of my prescription for most people, at least once a day for sure. And again, it all like behavior change is all about starting small to get people to build momentum and like, you know, not just like, you know, not get into it because it just seems too daunting of a process to even begin. So like just getting started with something like, uh, can you commit four minutes, four minutes a day to something to your body? Yes. Okay. Let's start there. You know? And from my standpoint, I mean, I train in very unique way. So I have like, it's pretty cool to attach some videos for people to see, but I do something called rope flow. So it's a standpoint of like holding a rope and instead of doing skip rope where you jump through a rope, you're actually never jumping through the rope, but you're, the rope is passing on each side of you. And what happens is it creates this like figure of eight pattern where let's say I'm just doing underhand. So I'm just swinging the rope underhand in a figure eight manner. And what's going to happen is I'm going to tap into these movements. I could also go overhand and there's a bunch of other patterns. So I do rope flow. I'm swinging tools and toys and doing a lot of crazy rotational movements. I like to do a bit of, you know, trail running. My, my weight training is a lot more, again, coming back to this idea of like, instead of the bracing core or the coiling core. 
So this is a concept uh, derived by some, you, you, have you ever seen the BOSU ball, that half dome ball in a gym before? So the BOSU ball was created like in 98 or 99, I think. And the creator of the BOSU ball is the one who created this rope flow system. And he's a super unique guy. And he really emphasizes this concept of like optimal balance, you know, is not head in the middle, but head over foot. So when we're walking, we actually are, if I stood up, and took one foot off the floor. If my head doesn't go over my foot, I fall. Because naturally, it's like you, you take one leg off and your center of mass shifts over to be stacked on top of you know, what's still on the ground. So if we could take that concept into training that instead of like you, you hear all the time, keep your hips level, keep this level. It's like, well, that's not how our body moves when we walk. So why are we training that in a way that's not congruent to the way that we move naturally, which is walking is – the most install well, it's the installed pattern in all of us. We don't need to learn how to walk. It, well, we do, but it, it comes naturally to the body. When I'm doing weight training, like being just over one leg as I'm doing, let's say, a, a squat or a hinge movement, that's kind of these flavors that I'm I'm adding into my my movement. So it looks similar to how a lot of people train, but I'm just adding these dynamic alternating movements that are really much more athletic and mimicking gait. Mimic, so like there's a like a little rhyme here, like weight training is gait training. Gait means walking. So like really mimicking the way that we, we walk instead of just being stiff and rigid. Hmm. I love that. It's so interesting because we have this certain idea of what we have to do in weight training. Yeah. But like this is completely different. And like yeah, opens- a lot of people train hmm. like two legs at a time, like squats, deadlifts, push-ups, pull-ups, everything's two arms, two legs, but walking is one, one, one. So you mm-hmm. want to be doing a lot more unilateral training, but then also like tapping into this coiling core idea changes like completely everything. And I'm sure you have thoughts on like death, sitting down all day, like what you should be doing there in terms of maybe you have like a preference on like desks or chairs or like how not to sit down all day. I'm curious what your thoughts are there. Yeah, I think well, one of the things to think about from a desk standpoint is to have a dynamic workstation, meaning like you're not in one position the entire day. So you're sitting, you're standing, you're moving. Sometimes you're on the floor. Sometimes you're at a desk. Sometimes you're standing. So that's just like one thing. The other thing is if you are standing, be barefoot because you shouldn't be in, in like a heeled cushioned, like we'll call it a positive heel shoe. We also can think about when we're sitting to be much more relaxed, as we were talking about, as opposed to being in this chest up mode, I'm actually giving myself permission to fully slouch. Now, when people hear that word slouch, it's a very like there's nuance to it because when I'm not talking about having their, their head six inches in front of their body. But what I am saying is let yourself on the back of your butt, let your ribs come down and just imagine you're sitting on the folds of your stomach. You're just like, you're letting yourself go because that's a huge thing is like, you shouldn't sit with tension. And then the idea is like, you know, sometimes like I'll be sitting, let's say I'm doing work at the end of the night, like I'm back in my apartment. I'll sit on the floor with my laptop because after a few minutes of being on the, on the floor, your body's like, Hey, I'm uncomfortable. So you change positions. So you're constantly like adjusting and moving. And so that's what I meant by dynamic is that like, there's no one position throughout the day, but rather like, you know, you're just getting up and moving frequently instead of like ossifying your spine in one single position. What are your thoughts on shoes and going barefoot? Yeah, definitely. So this all comes from someone who was in orthotics for five years. Okay. And as I mentioned before, now I hike barefoot. And what we could think about most shoes that exist today and orthotics and all the like is they stop movement from taking place. 
Now we've mentioned coiling core and movement and promoting movement. Now I want us to think about a trampoline for a sec. Okay. So a foot, we got a foot over here is like a trampoline. When my knee goes forward, the arch goes down and flattens, i.e. like a trampoline goes down. And then as I come back up, it springs and propels me forward. So it goes down and up. A foot is supposed to flatten out. Like that is a very non-controversial statement, but when people hear the word flat and feet, they immediately assume that's bad. Okay. So now I take this foot that's supposed to flatten out and I put an arch support there or I put an orthotic. Now I'm taking 26 bones that are supposed to move and I block all motion from taking place. So now my foot hits the ground like a brick wall, boing, boing, boing. And so now I rely on my shoe to absorb the spring of the ground, the ground reaction force instead of my own foot, okay? So where I look at shoes, I want a shoe that basically protects my foot but doesn't impose on my foot. So what I mean by that is something along the lines of this. What that is, I'm taking a shoe right now and I'm completely bending this. This is a winter boot. It can fold into a ball like this, okay? It is, has a wider toe ball that allows your toes to spread. Everyone can appreciate that a high heel shoe that looks like a triangle will compress your toes. But an Asics, a New Balance, a Nike, a Brook, an Under Armour shoe, they all still taper in a little bit to the extent that your toes are not maximally spread. And if your toes are not maximally spread, you don't have optimal balance and your feet are not operating at 100% capacity. So imagine you have a tripod of a foot and you bring all the, the, the legs closer together. Now you can, you can knock that foot out pretty easily. So when you have a wider toe box, something that's completely flexible, something that's completely flat, and something that's thin, that permits you to feel the ground so that you're not being like, hoisted up on three inches of cushioning like a hoka shoe that kind of dampens your feelings because your feet are a sensor that are meant to feel the ground. But if you don't feel the ground, well, your body's like kind of searching for some safety and like your back is going to stiffen up as a result of your cushion footwear. So all the things you're being told are good, all the technology, the gel shock this and the cushion that and whatever names that are being told to us we have to rethink that and challenge. Hundreds of thousands of years of evolution produced a foot that supported us as we roam the plains of the earth. And now all of a sudden, we think that our feet are stupid and that they don't work properly unless they're supported inside all these new fancy technologies and people's feet are messed up as a result. And if your feet don't work well, well, now all of a sudden your knees start taking on more load, your back starts taking on more load. And that's the ground up philosophy is that we need to kind of connect our body rather than like disconnect it with like these weird things that we put on our feet. How does that work running barefoot on a trail? Well, I don't necessarily think that people have to go running barefoot itself, while, although that's an amazing thing. The shoe itself, like, again, I, I'm just even showing this as a, this boot, but there's other, like, you could, a shoe as a protection is not a bad thing. But, and again, it all depends on a trail versus like concrete. I'm not going to suggest someone running like very minimal, like no sole on, on asphalt or concrete. But when it comes to trail, like I think that's great because you'll have that better feedback. So it works in the sense that like one, your foot is protected by what you're wearing. So you don't have to like necessarily worry too much. When you're going hiking and slower, you'll, you pay attention to the ground. That's what you do. Like even when you're... 
you know, I went hiking this past weekend and I've, I've got my wife all into like, you know, she's got her, her own minimal sh- shoes and, you know, initially she's like, you know, just laughing at me. But then obviously it just feels better when your toes are not compressed, when you have flexibility in your foot. And she didn't have a hiking boot and it was pretty like muddy terrain where we were. So she borrowed my mom's hiking boots because they're the same side. And she's like, it, like, my ankle doesn't move. I don't like it. And we assume that when we go for a hike, we need ankle support. But imagine you hit one bad rock and your foot can't play around. Boop, you're going to sprain your ankle. But I've got myself a foot and it has 33 joints in it. And that has a lot of play with the ground. So my foot hits something and there's such fast feedback that my foot will know how to react well. And the more I, I attune it to speak to my brain and my brain to speak back to my foot and it's very like you know, millisecond manner, my foot will react to the terrain and be able to accommodate uneven ground. That's what our feet are meant to do. Actually, the problem is that we're always walking on flat terrain all the time. And that's what creates this sense of just, you know, same step, every step for your foot. Whereas it's actually, it's way more interesting for your foot to be walking on like cobblestone in Europe, whatever, because you, you, you get that, you know, different input into the ground. Hmm. And when did you start going barefoot and what were the, what, some of the big changes at the beginning that you felt? So I started in 2017, so we're six years and I made a big mistake. I went into the very, very thin footwear immediately, especially with my background of how screwed up my feet were while I was living in New York City for six months. And I gave myself even worse pain. And obviously knowing what I know now, like there are things I could do to facilitate that transition process, like teaching someone's feet to actually flatten properly. So like one of the things that saved my foot was learning how to flatten my foot out. Now, again, when people hear the word flatten feet, what they often think about is like the outside border of their foot is lost and everything just falls in. Flattening of the foot is actually keeping your pinky knuckle and your big toe knuckle down and the heel down and then the arch going and like winding and spreading in this very like 3D manner. So when I transitioned into this more minimal stuff, um, like I didn't do that. And then I ended up going to a company called Ultra, A-L-T-R-A. And they're a brand that is wide, flat, flexible, but has some cushioning. So it's it's actually this brand over here. Um, and they that's more... You know, uh, it's no, more similar to what you're already wearing, like a maximalist shoe, we'll call it, because people have heard the term minimalist shoe. So like maximalist shoe is like, you know, the most souped up ASICs possible with all the motion control. So but what did I, so eventually what I started noticing as I like, you know, left that pain and also New York is just like non-forgiving, you know, there's not a lot of greenery there. And what, what you tend to notice that when you're in these thinner shoes, it's like, all you want to do is walk on like the little stones and grass because you feel the ground so much. But now like I, you know, every single day I'm at my clinic barefoot for the entire day. I have no more pain. My feet feel connected and strong. And I, like, it's just like, it's not this piece of meat that goes inside of a shoe and it's forgotten about. It's this deep awareness and appreciation for like what holds me up. And like knowing how much pain I had to now like be like super confident. And now like I help people who've been in chronic pain for years, who've been around the houses. They said they've tried everything. And I just feel super, you know, rewarded in my job every day that like I know that whatever they've tried is not my system. And my system is very like it gets results with people because it gets them training in a way that connects the body parts together. Mm -hmm. 
And how are you able to help people get to the root cause of what's causing well, the pain? Yeah, it starts with an evaluation. When people come into my clinic, I'm going to ask them to bend out to touch your toes, to lean back, to side bend, to rotate. I'm going to get them onto my like a like a physio table, and I'm going to check you know where the limitations are. I'm going to see what areas might be weak, and I make sure to explain things to people in a very basic manner. But I never diagnose. I say like, imagine you've got knee pain. Okay. So it's like, I'll draw out a foot, a knee, a back and a bum, like all connected. And I'll point out like the foot, the calf, the hamstring, the quad and the butt, they're all supposed to do, let's say their fair share. So let's say that I'm talking five body parts, 20% each. Okay. Now remember that test when you couldn't really hold me here? Yeah. Okay. So let's take the argument instead of 20%, that's doing 5%. And so I'll just like point back to the evaluation, see, like explain them like this thing was weak or, you know, they're avoiding moving in a certain way. And can you see that if all these areas are not doing their job, well, the knee is just going to take on too much load. Oh yeah, that makes sense. So I don't have to use a scary sounding word or use arthritis or patellofemoral syndrome or jumper's knee. I just say, this is a load management issue. And once people understand that they actually have ownership in that by me facilitating through them through that journey now of, okay, let's now, okay, when you side bend right, you have no problem. But when you side bend left, you avoid that. Well, that's like a bug in the nervous system that needs to be, you know, re-updated. So I'll get them on their left foot, for example, I'll stack their body and I'll teach them how to now load into that area that they've avoided for a long time for whatever reason. And all of a sudden, whoop, you know, I retest, their muscles come back on. And now it's just a matter of reinforcing those patterns. And they start to feel very, you know, they feel more confident and able very quickly. Because like immediately, there should be a nervous system change after I've done something. Either if, the, if there's not, it's either not the right exercise, or I haven't coached it well enough, or they haven't like gone deep enough into it. But there should be a change immediately. It's not like they're going to be out of pain immediately, but it might be a relative change of that pain, and then we or a, a relative change in strength or range of motion. And if we if there is one, then we know that we're on the right path. So that, then it's just a matter of continuing to like iterate, update, continuing to challenge them along, like with more speed, more load as I go through it. But most of my stuff is body weight in nature, and then like, all right, let's start to now be able to like hop and like you know get the body tolerating more speed. And how long does it take to get someone who's like not really doesn't have really good mobility to get to be have more mobility or is it so different for each person? It's certainly different, but like I'm getting results with people who've been in lots and lots of pain between like 2 and 6 weeks. So like it's even if they've had like a year of pain. Like I had a friend who came in 2 years of knee pain and within 4 sessions knee pain's gone. Another, again, sometimes it takes longer, sometimes it takes shorter. Sometimes people are in pain and it's like, all right, after one session, it's a lot better. But what I'm always telling people is my goal is not just to get you out of pain, but help you build resilience and capacity so that pain doesn't come back. And so like we go beyond your current, even your old capacity so that you show up like, you, you know, hence the, the quote on the wall, I have, you know, an injury is not just a process of recovery, it's a process of discovery. So in fact, that when you leave me, the goal is that you move better and feel stronger than you were even prior to your injury, because, you know, you have me as your coach and I'm showing you all these things that you've never thought about. And all of a sudden your body's working a lot, you know, more cohesively together. What do you think is an important part of pain recovery that maybe we like skip over, don't really pay attention to all the time? Mindset. 
I definitely think it's mindset. Um, first being the sense that people have to understand that no one else is responsible for your body but yourself. And of course, you want to be guided by someone who is into that as opposed to saying, yeah, I'm going to fix you. I got you. Like I'm with my hands are magic and I'm going to just fix you. And that's kind of like the, you know, the mentality of, you know, 21st century quick fix solution. Um, but yeah, the mindset that like we need to look at, like as I was just mentioning, this idea of potential and like weaknesses should be exciting. Because all of a sudden, oh my God, like my legs are shaking with this exercise. Now, if I keep practicing it, it's going to get better, you know? So taking ownership, you know, reframing little wins rather than like, oh, I'm not where I want to be just yet. But yeah, like 1% better every day. You're making huge strides compared to where you've been the last few months. So it's kind of reframing people to celebrate where they the, where they've come and then, okay, yeah, but we've still got ways to go. And like, you know, like I'm going to keep, you know, being with you on this journey. So those are a couple of things to note. Probably sleep plays a huge, well, not probably, sleep plays a massive role. So if you're sleeping, like if I give you the best routine, but you sleep two hours a night, your, your body needs time to recover. So, you know, I'm discussing sleep principles with people. Nutrition plays a huge role. If you're just eating processed foods and sugar, it's, that's very inflammatory nature to the body. You know, you're you're not doing your body a service by you know not checking off the boxes in a more holistic manner with like sleep, stress management, you know, mindset, movement. All all of them are are part of the equation. And how are you able to help people who are like stuck and like nothing's gonna work? Might as well like stop trying. Like they've kind of tried everything and kind of starting to lose hope of like trying something new could help them with their pain. Well, I guess I just like, I share them my story right away. Or not all, you know, certainly my story is not about me. My, my story is about how so much of the industry is the same crap and understanding that like, I, look, I get where you're at right now. And like, I know you've been around the houses, but I, you know, like, let me show you that my approach is quite unique and, you know, let, let's give it a, like a, let, let's give it a shot and open up. But to be honest, it's just like people are open because when you're in a state of pain, you're vulnerable. And, you know, now I've developed a reputation. I have got lots of Google reviews and great word of mouth referral system going. So like when people come to see me, it's like they kind of expect something different compared to where they've been potentially. So I think like people are ready to make a change and they're, they're desperate oftentimes. So they're willing to put in the work. And as soon as I show them like my first exercise, like, like most people to do, like, whoa, why is this so challenging when it's just like, it's like, let's say you do a glute bridge. I'm sure you've done a glute bridge in your life. You, you know, you lift your bum off the floor. But now instead of doing it with your heel close to your butt, you put your legs much further away. And now instead of pushing through your heel, which most people do because they want to squeeze their butt, you push your forefoot with your heel off the floor. And all of a sudden you're going to feel like your calf is working, your hamstring is working, and you stay very low instead of very high. And all of a sudden the legs start shaking again because these areas are just undertrained. So it's the foot, calf, hamstring, butt connection rather than just going straight for the booty, which is like, you know, what Instagram models tell us. <laughs> Those Instagram models. <laughs> Always trying to sell us on leggings and different exercises. There you go. <laughs> do you work with people online as well or do you do mainly in person? Yeah, no, I have got right now tons of clients all around the world online as well. And I also have an online mobility program that people could kind of watch in the comfort of their own home with little equipment required. And it's 
you know, guided videos that take people through the process and then they can ask questions in like a Facebook community. Cool. And what's something that you do every day that's a non-negotiable for you? Get outside and walk in nature. Yeah, I definitely think that uh, a day without walking, you know, like I love what I do and I, I'm moving all day. It's a job that like has me demonstrating and moving and I, you know, I train most days, but if I'm just stuck inside all day and then it's not the best day. And what's something that's helped you on your personal development journey that you would recommend? Therapy, lots of therapy. Yeah, find, find someone uh, who could help you reinterpret injuries and things that have happened in a way where you there's like less blame and a lot more acceptance around understanding that everyone is on their own journey and has a certain skill set and they show up with their skill set based off their own parenting experience and their own experiences themselves. And, you know, we put a lot of expectations on other people and that often leads to disappointment. Um, and expectations are not really helpful because it's imposing what you perceive the reality to be on others. So yeah, therapy is a very powerful tool. I like it's helped a lot for me from my pain standpoint and just relationships. So if, if one has the, you know, and it, it doesn't have to be as taboo as this. It's just a mind coach. It's just like someone that can help you see your thoughts and discuss them and challenge them and, you know, loosen up your, your grip on your own ego and recognize that, do you want to be the same person your whole life or do you want to evolve? And I think, you know, injuries are a huge process of, you know, evolution because like you're at a standstill now, you can't do what you, you could do before, you know, and now you got to reevaluate and maybe, you know, like I'm of the belief that like injuries happen for you, not to you. And if you could reinterpret these injuries in a new way and see them as a blessing, because ultimately if I didn't hurt my ankle, I probably would have gone into medicine and I wouldn't have started my own clinic. And, you know, I love what I do and I'm very grateful that I was in chronic pain for a long time. I mean, it was not, I couldn't think that way at the time. And I'm a lot more mature now than I was when I was just basically using alcohol to escape, you know, and numb the pain. And ultimately that's what everyone's behaviors in life, whether it's like, you know, being on the phone too much, alcohol, weed, drugs, wh whatever it is. And I'm not like anti anything. I'm just saying that like the behaviors that we exhibit are a it's it's not why the addiction it's why the pain you know i don't know if you know gabor mate or not but like the, this whole idea that like addictive behaviors like excessively working out even it's like well what are you running from and when you get hurt back in the day when you got hurt and you sprained your ankle and you're in your tribe of 150 people and you're just like chilling and you can't do anything you can't distract yourself with netflix or whatever you thought about things and so when you're in a state of pain, it's not like immediately go and run to grab every sort of distraction to get your mind off it. Sit in the pain and feel the pain. Like pain is a very powerful motivator. And from there, once you've kind of like sat in your thoughts, then you could, you know, the body will start to heal and you'll start to find the right mentor who could guide you and not fix you. So yeah, that's a, my long-winded answer on that. Is there anything that helps you with sitting with the pain? Because I feel like the discomfort comes up. Like, is there any like mindfulness practices or anything you do? Well, I mean, it depends. Like we're talking like a physical, like let's say it's just like, you know, someone hurt you and you like feel whatever they said. It's like from that standpoint, it's like notice where it is in your body. I mean, obviously if you have like a knee pain, you can notice just the, the, the pain and, 
yeah, like breathing is a huge thing for sure. What I do with my clients, most people's advice on breathing is take a deep breath. I think that's the wrong advice. I think the right advice is take a very quiet inhale and then the loudest, longest exhale. So like emptying every part of your body. Most people, when they do that, when they first come here, they can only go like this. It's like they don't know how to empty up their body. And when we empty our body, we go into down regulation. Our nervous system starts to calm down. So like, let's say you're in pain and you have no agency over your pain, but you have agency over, over your breath. So inhaling, like you can't, not the sniffing inhale, but quiet and slow. And then that long exhale and repeat a few times. And that will actually get the nervous system to start to calm down. So those are some things when it comes to breathing strategies that are pretty powerful. And I feel like you have like a lot of things that you know, that's like counter to beliefs that we usually hold. Is there any other ones that like stand out to you? Yeah, well, my whole life, I guess, is going against the norm. <laughs> and that's probably a conflict in itself is like always needing to go against the norm. But yeah, I mean, like I hike barefoot. I, you know, I'm all about eating fat, you know, like things in the nutrition side, like eggs are good for you. I eat, I eat liver. I'm all into organ meats and all that, all that jazz. And I think, yeah, I mean, medicine is like stop taking painkillers, like painkillers actually impede your healing and you are killing a signal that's telling you to change. It's what's coming top of mind right now. I mean, sleep is like a big thing. Like when it comes down, it's like, you know, your mornings make a big difference in how you sleep at night because you need to get outside first thing in the morning and have natural light. Yeah. Things like that. Okay. Cool. And I have a final question for you. So if you were to go back in time and talk to your 20 year old self, what would you want to tell him? Or if you want to tell him nothing at all, it's an option as well. You know, I think what parents want to do, and I'm like, let's say I'm, I'm, I'm 30 now parenting my 20 year old, the parents want, or at least my parents, I'll speak to my own experience is like, they want to learn their lessons for you. So it's like, oh, I'm with a, you know, I was in a very toxic relationship at that moment in time for like three, four years. And it's like, my parents, like, we're trying to like do everything possible to like get me out of that. But it's like, you need to learn your own lesson. I just, I guess, like wanted maybe like learn the lessons faster, you know, like, but you still want to make, you know, I think there's all these quotes, the same type of thing. Like you want to still make the same mistakes, but you want to learn from them faster and having that awareness because life will continue to dish out the same types of people and experiences until you learn a deep learning and then you know you'll you'll move on from that learning so yeah i think uh, i i definitely wouldn't try to avoid any of those pains but rather just uh, hey like perk up your ears and listen to that more so than uh you know than i probably was at the time yeah i think that's something we can all take in our 20s thank you so much for doing this and where can we find you where can we connect with you yeah. So, uh, well, the name of the clinic is called From the Ground Up Physiotherapy, but uh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok at Ground Up Physio. So Ground Up and then Physio's P-H-Y-S-I-O. And if people are looking for a more guided approach, I would suggest them following um, my online mobility program. It's you know, it's pretty affordable, done in the comfort of your own home. You have me as your guide, you have a community, and it works just the same way, the same exact system I'm using with my one-on-one -on -one clients in person is the same exercises and routines I've put together into some sort of thing that people could follow on their own. So if people you know, feel like you're you're like in your 20s, there's so many people complaining, like, I feel like I'm 50 already. Like their bodies feel older than they should. And you you want to feel that sense of athleticism that you felt when you were in your, you know, your your teens and, you know, even earlier than that and feel more springy again. And I would definitely suggest that people go grab that and they can, you know, find in the links to all the programs.
programs. And maybe you'll share that in the show notes or whatever. But yeah, that people could definitely find that if they if they go to you know finding me on socials. Perfect. Thank you for listening to the Shit Show My Twenties. I love if you could take a minute to leave a review on Apple. It would mean the world to me. And I will see you next time.